Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa. Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined Podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability. In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex, but we're here to define it. Good morning, Melissa. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I feel like we have another co-host on the podcast today. Will you tell us about him? We do. (laughs) Um, Well, I decided to do something absolutely insane and I move into my new house tomorrow, but I thought it would be fun to stress myself out more and get a puppy. Yay. So his name is Neptune. He's adorable. And he's causing problems already since we just started recording five seconds ago. (laughs) He just really was very vocal. He has a lot to say about deliverability. He has a lot of strong opinions. So you might hear him, you know, make some noise. (laughs) He definitely (laughs) might. he's so cute. Or you might hear me just being like, get out of there. Stop chewing on that. (laughs) And she's not talking to me, I promise. I'm not chewing on anything. It's not Alyssa. (laughs) She's talking to Neptune. Well, I thought it would be kind of fun to just... I actually don't know this about you, so we'll see what this tells about both of us. But I thought it would be fun to see currently how many emails you have in your personal inbox right now in whatever email provider. I know you use Hey, but I don't know if you're fully transitioned over to Hey. Oh, gosh. I feel like this is going to be embarrassing because honestly, my setup is just kind of terrible right now. And everyone's probably going to be like, "Uh, don't you do this for a living? So my setup's really embarrassing, and I think a lot of you are probably going to judge me for it, but I have, I think, five email addresses, and they're kind of all over the place. I have, I think my oldest one that I still have is one a Gmail under my maiden name. I still have a Gmail from my undergraduate college, <laughs> University of Kentucky, still have access to it, still receive things there. Don't know how that's happening. It's been a long time. I have a new email address with my actual domain, alyssadoolin.com with my married name. I have a new hey address, which I've said on here before, and I have my ConvertKit work address. So my ConvertKit work address stands alone, obviously, in its own G Suite, and it only has like three emails in there right now, and it's mostly things I've already seen and I'm just, I need to answer. My hey, because it's hey, I actually only have two emails I need to screen And then the rest, you know, are red. Mm -hmm. And that has like all my old Gmails attached to it. Uh, My school Gmail, my maiden name Gmail. And then I did have AlyssaDoolin.com email going into Hey, but it was terrible. I ended up stopping that because- Like too many things or- Well, Hey doesn't have custom domain stuff yet. I would have people email my AlyssaDoolin.com address, and I would want to reply. But if I replied, it would come from AlyssaD at Hey.com. And right. they would be That's like, confusing. what is this? Yeah. And it's just not as professional. So mm-hmm. now I have like three different places that I check my email. It's kind of a mess. But my main one would be my AlyssaDoolin.com email. And it currently has 79 emails unread. Oh, you... Uh-oh. Don't even you don't even okay. Okay. have any you I have don't feel no <laughs> So the reason the reason this is I'm just gonna try and make everyone feel sorry not even sorry for me, but just I'm making an excuse. That's really what it is. Okay. This is what happens to me. I'm a avid shopper. I love shopping. 
it's a problem. Confessions of a shopaholic. I it's just absolutely me. I have <laughs> eighteen thousand unread <gasps> messages. Melissa. I know. It's really, really oh bad. Oh my gosh. But that it's just not, gave me anxiety. I know. But it's really more like a promotional it's become a promotional email account. That's really what it's become. And it's like, I want to unsubscribe. Like, even when you have, like, preferences you can choose from where you're like, only email me for certain things or whatever. Like, I have FOMO and I don't want to miss out Ooh, on good sales. And <laughs> I'm like one of the few people that's like, I mean, I don't love receiving promotional emails. But you actually, like, read them. And- but I do read them. Plus, I have this weird thing, which is why I'm glad I ended up in this this career, I guess, because <laughs> I love looking at marketing emails. Like I love comparing yeah. them. I love seeing why people use certain headlines. I like seeing, I don't know. I'm just fascinated by like, especially like, cl- like women's clothing marketing emails mm-hmm. because you have to set yourself apart in some way online. And I just, I just think it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of why I also have so many because I just want to see what people are sending. <laughs> Yeah, I love that about you. The listeners don't know this, but Melissa has started kind of like an internal newsletter uh, for ConvertKit employees. And it's one of my favorite newsletters ever to read because it goes through all these trends she's seeing in email. And your recent one talked about so many things. I think it talked about the holidays. It talked about traveling, like what's happening with traveling related marketing emails. I thought that was so interesting. And I'm just going to say, I think you should make that external. But. Yeah, I, I'm i glad that I got like the, oh my gosh, Aww. he's just going crazy. Um, I'm glad that you liked the style of writing. I want it to be fun and something that people enjoy reading because um, I know that that kind of stuff can be kind of boring, but I think it's important for people that are in email marketing to kind of like discuss. Um, it might not be related directly to deliverability, but email marketing like content and sort of like the structure of marketing in general I think is really interesting and between the two you know deliverability and how those emails are structured I think it's Mm -hmm. important to just at least talk about yeah I love it so maybe here in a future episode we'll be sharing a link to sign up to Melissa's newsletter because I personally am not as interested in all of that as Melissa is but the (laughs) way she writes it I was loving it I was hooked Um, It was super interesting just the way she laid out all the information. Cool. So I really liked that conversation. I learned something new about you that you have so many emails. It's rather embarrassing. It's like someone looking in like a closet of your house and they're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, that would stress me out a little, but I understand. Uh, My sister who does listen to, I think every episode of this podcast, Hey Chelsea, what's up? She, oh my gosh, I'm scared to even know exactly how many emails she has, but it's something crazy like that. And I've begged her for so long to just like unsubscribe from some stuff. And it's not even really easy to go in and delete. Like I've gone in before and like searched a um, like a retailer Mm -hmm. and I've tried to delete their emails and it's just time consuming. I wish that there was an easier way to do it where you could be like, I I don't even know. I don't even know what the right thing would be to do. But yeah, it's just really, Hmm. it's kind of a pain. Once you're in the hole, you're really in the hole. (laughs) I just read Nathan, shout out to Nathan. I read his blog post he put out today when we're recording this about building a billion dollar blog. And so now my brain is just turning with all kinds of like software product ideas. And that sounds like a good, you know, software idea. Nobody steal it, but 
some sort of integration to help you manage your Gmail and actually get rid of, I mean, I know there's all kinds of like automatic unsubscribing Mm -hmm. things. A lot of them, as we talked about um, in our inbox placement test episode, do use your data and kind of sell your mailbox data. So that's not fun. Um, Anyways, (laughs) I just love talking about potential new businesses. Yeah, it would be nice if there was, then we can totally move on to the actual podcast episode, but it would be (laughs) nice if there was a way to, like, say, for example, Macy's, like, I want to keep all of my Macy's emails that have some kind of, and this is kind of why Hey is, they're sort of doing something like this, but like, have all of my receipts or anything with a tracking number go into like a Macy's folder, and then like delete all promotional emails. Mm, I love it. Yeah, you just want your transactional emails from them. Yeah. So Hmm, that'd be fun. Yeah, Yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, today's topic is sort of just like really zooming in on everything we've been talking about, but getting specific to just one part of deliverability. And we're going to talk about the do's and don'ts of growing your audience because there are plenty of great ways to grow your email list. And then there are also plenty of bad ways to grow your email list that will hurt your deliverability. So we're going to outline those differences. And then at the end, we do have sort of like a middle ground. If you do have an email list that we're telling you not to send emails to, there's still a way to get in front of those people and see if they're interested in your emails. So one of the biggest factors that will determine your deliverability is how you collected your subscribers. So this is kind of something that we see often um, when we're working with customers on deliverability tickets that come in, um, specifically at ConvertKit, because there are a lot of ways to obtain email addresses, but they aren't all positive ways. And all, a lot of times, even if the the way that you're collecting subscribers doesn't seem like malicious, um, it can ultimately end up causing you problems down the road. It can cause, you know, like higher complaints or um, and it doesn't mean that someone who signs up for your list didn't want to receive it initially. Like it's very possible that they signed up, they confirmed, but maybe the content that you end up sending once they've signed up wasn't what they thought it was going to be. Yeah, exactly. And like we've talked about in lots of episodes, it's always helpful to remember the people on the other side of the email address are real humans. So before we start this conversation, you can frame it by thinking about yourself as an individual and all of the ways that people collect your email addresses throughout the day. So some are great ways. Like, for example, I signed up for someone's list yesterday. They actually do use ConvertKit. It was awesome. But um, I was on Instagram, Drew Holcomb posted a swipe up saying that he had an exciting announcement um, and that if you wanted to be the first to hear about it, sign up to his email list. So great. I swiped up, put in my email address. That was something I was happy to give my email address to. And I received his announcement today and I was super pumped about it. So that's a great example of me giving my email address and being happy about it. And I'm going to engage. But then there are so many other ways people ask for my email address or collect it somehow where I don't really want them to have it. And I might even give, you know, a fake address or a typo address because I don't actually want the emails. So some examples might be like we've talked about if you sit down at a coffee shop, want to use the Wi-Fi and they make you put in an email address to use it. I don't think I've ever put in my real email address for that, which means they're probably emailing some sort of fake address or a typo spam trap, uh, which is not good. We have a whole episode on that too. 
Or Melissa, maybe you can't relate to this based on our last conversation, (laughs) but I personally hate when I go shopping somewhere and I get to the checkout counter, they ring me up and then they say, what's your email address? And I will say, this is a personal problem. I'm an Enneagram nine. I'm too nice sometimes in a weird way. Like I don't, I just can't say, I'm not telling you or like, I don't want to give that to you. Instead, I either give them my real address, depending on how I'm feeling, or I might give them, you know, an address that doesn't actually exist. So if I gave them my real address, that means I'm going to be receiving emails I don't actually want. I didn't sign up for that. I'm going to unsubscribe. Some people might mark it as spam, but I'm definitely not going to be opening them and engaging with them. I definitely don't like the pressure of the oh on gosh. the on the spot, like, hey, what's your email? Um, I like yeah. to be the one that decides like when I do that. So I definitely can relate to that a little bit. Um, I also just feel weird. Like I'm not really like a super like anxious person when it comes to like personal information necessarily. Mm-hmm. But like I don't like giving my personal information out loud publicly in places like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is a personal it's a piece of personally identifiable information. Right. I don't like that either. It's all kind of weird. And I wish they didn't do that. At least some places now, you know, they'll ask you to like type it in on the checkout counter or whatever. But either way, it's asking me to provide my email address when I actually don't want to. And they're sort of adding that social pressure or whatever it may be. Um, Maybe they're trying to do it to give you a digital receipt, which I do like that. But then I don't want to be added to your marketing email list, really. So that should be sort of an option. I can check a box and say, please add me to your marketing list. But I don't want to just be added there because you asked me for it. So if you can think of like the way you feel internally in those different situations. So the first situation, you willingly signed up for something that you're interested in. Those emails, you're going to act a lot differently with um, than the emails that were sort of forced upon you. And that is going to actually directly impact those senders' deliverability. So we've kind of talked about this, but you might be asking, well, why can't I just email anyone I want? And obviously, there's a lot of legislation things that we can go into, but let's talk about just purely deliverability right now. So if you email recipients who didn't actually want to hear from you, you're going to have a high amount of negative signals, such as spam complaints and unengagement. And this will just end up really hurting your deliverability overall. So, and plus, like, I mean, you've mentioned this before in another podcast, but your sales, even if you're getting in front of those people, your your ultimate goal, which is like a call to action, is not going to, either it's not going to get in front of those people that you want it to be in front of, or you're going to end up just making people who may have made like a sale with you upset because they didn't give you their information. Yeah, it might be a little creepy. And in case you don't know what a spam complaint is, a spam complaint is when someone marks your message as spam. And that's sort of the most negative action someone can take that has the biggest impact on your deliverability. A small amount of spam complaints is expected, but sending emails to people who didn't truly sign up to receive them is just sure to result in an elevated amount of spam complaints, which will drop your sender reputation and cause your emails to go to spam more often. So like one point you've said a lot, Melissa, and kind of just made is that then the people who actually do want to receive your emails might stop seeing them in their inbox because you had a lot of spam complaints from people who didn't sign up to receive the emails. 
Exactly. So another thing we're going to talk about later is forced opt-in methods. And just wanted to point out that those typically lead to a lot of fake and typoed addresses, like I mentioned earlier. And those can cause pretty big deliverability issues because you are going to have bad data. And it can cause you to hit spam traps, um, which might even end up in your domain or IP being blocklisted. So as you can see, there are a lot of reasons not to send to the addresses that we're going to tell you not to send to. Right. And then uh, on top of all of the reasons why you shouldn't, um, there's definitely laws that are helping subscribers and people who just use um, email in general uh, be protected from spam. And if you are emailing people without their consent, it can go against those kinds of laws. And you don't want to be the kind of person who is breaking the law. (laughs) Yeah, there have been huge lawsuits around GDPR, Castle, can spam. So make sure that you familiarize yourself with those um, email legislations and any others that might pertain to you, depending on where your subscribers are located. But if you make sure to send only opt-in permission-based emails um, and you're getting consent logged for those people, you should be in a good spot. So let's talk about the ways that you can grow your email list. Um, And we're going to list a few different options, but we can pretty much sum up all the options like this. So subscribers should willingly sign up to your email list and it should be optional, shouldn't be forced. So here are some examples. Um, Sign up form on your website, of course, is always a great idea. People are visiting your website because they're interested in your content. So it's always good to have an easy to find sign up form there for them to receive whatever it is you are offering via email. Um, One thing I mentioned kind of a second ago is your Instagram and other social media. So you can have a link in your Instagram bio with an email sign up. Um, You can do this in ConvertKit now and it is actually insane. Uh, We just put out the feature page for um, like us versus Linktree. We're recording this on September 9th. So by the time you hear this, it'll have been out for a while. But for free, like you can use ConvertKit for free and make these kind of LinkedIn bio pages that look so cool. And they have an email signup field right there on um, that page. So that's a really great way to tell your Instagram followers, like kind of what I mentioned with Drew earlier, if you have some sort of information or promotion that you are going to send out via email, you can go ahead and put on your Instagram, like click the link in my bio to sign up for my email list and make it this exclusive, exciting place to be. I love that idea. I spend, I wouldn't say like a lot of time on Instagram, but I definitely (laughs) like enjoy, I follow a lot of like photography accounts and it's kind of like creative. Well, I try to make it a very creative zone. And I feel like sometimes you like get scrolling and I've said this before in other social media platforms and this option is really nice to kind of lead someone to like a call to action that's a little bit more like obvious. I think that I personally would be willing to sign up for a list uh, a lot more easily if that option was like available in a way that made sense and I think this is going to be right. a great feature. Yeah, that's such a good point. It is kind of hard in Instagram sometimes and other maybe other platforms to have a call to action. So this link in bio situation makes it so much easier. And if you haven't yet, just be sure to search. um, Let me find actually the link for everyone to look at because it's kind of insane 
how robust this new kind of Lincoln bio feature is with ConvertKit's landing pages. That's so cool. It looks awesome. So if you go to convertkit.com slash VS slash Linktree, um, you'll see how you can build a landing page that works as like a link in bio sort of um, landing page. You can use your own domain to brand that. Um, so it doesn't look like, you know, linktree.com. It'll look like whatever your website is. And it just, it's awesome. So that's one option. And um, this did remind me of a story I had. I talked to someone at my co-working space. Um, she's a podcaster and is building this really awesome business as well. And she was interested in hearing what I do and email and all that good stuff. And I was giving her these sorts of ideas of like how to grow your email list. And I mentioned social media and all this. And she said, I just feel bad like asking people to sign it for my list. And I just wonder how many other people feel that way. It kind of made me laugh a little, not in an offensive way, but just because I do this all day long. And I'm thinking like, there should be an incentive where you're not asking anyone to do you a favor. Right. They should be so pumped to sign up because they get something in return. And actually, like, the content you are providing them is going to be so good that they feel like they owe you something because they're like, oh, man, all I did was give you my email address and I'm getting these, you know, amazing whatever it is. This Maybe it's an email course, which we'll talk about in a second. But yeah, I think that's an important piece. You're not just asking someone, hey, please do me a favor. Just give me your email address and you'll get these random emails you don't really want to receive. It's like, if you just want to give me your email address, you're going to get all of this great content that's going to be helpful to you. And that's how you lead people to sign up. Right. And I think that's one of the harder things because being a creator is easy to say. Like there could be something that all of us are really passionate about. Trying to figure out how to set yourself apart can be like an overwhelming feeling, I think. I mean, I've definitely, like, I remember sitting at the first um, crafting commerce that ConvertKit put on, which is a conference that we usually do um, every year. Unfortunately, obviously, this year it was canceled. But I remember sitting there and being like, I'm just overwhelmed. Like, I don't know how people, um, like, think of something that sets them apart without like comparing to others. Mm -hmm. Um, But just from working a lot with customers and seeing what they do offer, you can, there could be like 10 people in one niche and everyone could have something a little bit different. I see people like get discouraged sometimes when they are trying to ask people to sign up for their list. And I look at what they're offering and it's like, it shouldn't be like something you feel like you have to do. It should be something that you want to do. And it should, it should, like you said, provide value. And on one hand, you shouldn't get bogged down thinking about all the other people who are doing the same thing. But you should figure out a way to set your free deliverable mm-hmm. um, apart from from other people so that when they do get it, you know, maybe they have signed up for a couple other people's lists. It should set you as a sender apart from everyone else. It's just kind of a hard balance, I think. Yeah. No, I think so, too. I think it's all about maybe a mindset shift because truly, you know, deep down, we do have the desire. It's like, I want to sell this thing or, I, you know, I want to have a large audience so that I can make money. I mean, of course, we all need to make money and make a living. But if you can kind of shift your mindset to tell yourself, like, what problems do these people have that I can help them solve? And then think, well, what content can I create that helps them solve those problems? Um, and in like easy to understand in a way that meets them wherever they are, you know, 
Um, knowing your audience is so important. So maybe if you have an audience that you know is super, super busy and they might listen to, you know, audio books or podcasts on their commute or while they're doing dishes, but maybe they're not able to like sit down and read books all the time, then maybe you are going to provide some sort of audio, you know, course or podcast, you know, private podcast. So that's how you can set get yourself set apart from other people. Maybe if you know your audience better than they do, and also if you understand the problem better than they do and create content that's better, that helps solve that problem better than, again, asking people to sign up for your email list to receive that helpful content that is solving a huge problem for them. It's going to be a no-brainer, and it's not going to be like you're asking them for some sort of favor um, or some weird ask. They'll be excited to give you that information because they're, you know, you're helping them solve exactly, problems. exactly. And it, it's, I think that's one thing that, like, well, not one thing, but another thing that um, has really helped me, like, help other people is recognizing that you might have like the same niche as someone else, like the same topic or whatever, but the way that you add value could be totally different than the person who's in the same space as you. Yeah, totally. I think you can compare that to so many other things, like even this podcast, you know, there really aren't that many deliverability experts out there, but there are plenty there. I would say hundreds or thousands and there are blogs. There are plenty of deliverability consultants out there, um, but there isn't another deliverability podcast. Uh, And it doesn't mean that we're, you know, any better than anyone else, obviously. And this podcast probably wouldn't give certain people the deliverability information they're looking for. It is pretty specific to creators um, or people who are entrepreneurs, things like that. But yeah, there's plenty of space to go around for everyone and you just need to find your sweet spot. Exactly. Cool. We got into a little marketing, but I like it. It's fun to just blur those lines a little bit. So another way, obviously, to collect signups is something we touched on a little bit. I said I was annoyed when I got up to the (laughs) checkout counter and someone asked for my email. But Uh, Like I kind of alluded to, it is helpful if someone's purchasing something from you to give them an optional um, step. Do you want to receive my emails? And that's where you can really market your emails and tell them what to expect. You might not want to just say, do you want to be on my email list? You can say, do you also want me to send you weekly content about how to reach the inbox of your subscribers? For example, more descriptive. Again, it hits the problem that they're having, and it tells them how often they'll be receiving those, that's going to give you better results than just sending an email to every single person who's purchased something from you. You know, weekly emails about how to reach the inbox. It's not necessarily terrible. Like sending emails to people who have purchased something from you is uh, usually considered implied consent. So again, that's not like a straight up no, don't do that sort of thing, but you're going to get the best results if you give them the option, even if they are purchasing something from you, not automatically adding them to your marketing email list is just going to be the best when it comes to deliverability. And I think that this one, well, obviously I admitted that I like to purchase things, but this one makes just a little bit more sense to me because especially when you're not like in person, when you're purchasing things online and they give you the opportunity to like add value, if you will, to your purchase, that's when those kinds of offers make sense. And Mm -hmm. I think they can be really like great ways to collect subscribers. I don't ever, I feel like it's kind of, especially at this point in 
like email marketing, I feel like it's kind of expected, but not in like an annoying way. It's like, oh, I purchased something and, you know, they're asking now if I want to be on their list because I showed interest in their product. Right, exactly. And it's even like not super unexpected for you to buy something from someone and immediately be added to their marketing account, you know, list. You know who they are. You did buy something from them. It's not the worst thing in the world, but you might not have wanted that. Just because you bought something from them doesn't mean you want to receive every promotional email they send. So that's why when it comes to deliverability and engagement, if you really want to do the best thing for your deliverability, making it an optional step is the way to go. I've seen um, the next one in a couple different scenarios, but the next way to collect subscribers would be a physical sign up, like a merchandise table or at like an event. Um, I've gone to like, uh, I had a friend get married and we went to like a wedding. It's like a wedding show um, where they have like cakes and people that have boutiques for dresses and they have all kinds of things. And sometimes they would say like, you know, how to make your wedding less stressful in 10 ways, like sign up for our email list. And I thought that was like a great way to do it instead of doing like, hey, win a free cake um, for your wedding give us your email address because Mm -hmm. a lot, and we'll talk about this in a minute with how to not grow your email list. Um, Sometimes these giveaways can be a little iffy, but um, I really liked how some of the tables at the wedding show did ask for emails because they made it a little bit more applicable to the person who was like having a wedding or planning one. Yeah. So smart. I love when people kind of do something creative like that. Yeah. Should we get into the ways you shouldn't grow your email list? Do you feel like there's anything else we missed? I don't think so. I think kind of that's just all of those ways are honest mm. and they may, they help people understand what they're really signing up for, which is how we all we want to feel like we trust the person who's sending us emails. So I think yeah. that those are all the ways that we kind of encourage our customers at ConvertKit to collect subscribers. And, you know, there's just, there's so many ways to do all of those different steps, uh, like variations of things. But yeah, I think those are pretty much it for all the positives. Yeah, love it. So pretty much ask yourself when you are importing a list of people or, you know, you're about to send to a list of people, did everyone on this list truly, truly want to be here? And if there's any list that you think, "Uh, like, I kind of got their email list in this way where they didn't really opt in or give me permission to email them, I would revisit those. (laughs) And we'll dig in now to the ways that you shouldn't grow your email list. And again, we hit on why we're saying do not do these things, and it's because it will hurt your deliverability. So first one and the biggest no-no, of course, always is purchasing lists. It's the easy way out. It doesn't work well. There's not a whole lot to add here, but just don't do it. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it doesn't bode well for you from a deliverability standpoint, and you don't normally have a relationship with those people anyways. So you're probably not going to get much out of it from a like call to action standpoint. Yep. Just not going to work. We do have um, something we'll talk about a little more towards the end of a way you could use a purchase list, but not email them. I'm not saying email them. (laughs) Uh, So another one would be scraped list, which, you know, is like if someone scrapes emails from a website. Now a lot of people are scraping emails from Instagram. That's annoying. Uh, So don't do that. Those people didn't opt in to receive your emails. So you're getting their email in a non-permission-based way. So you shouldn't be sending them your marketing emails. I think this is one that people do a lot. Um, 
and they don't realize how harmful it is, but sharing lists is not a good idea. I see this one pretty, I would say pretty often. But yeah, so it's supposed to be uh, when people share lists, I know it's with good intentions a lot of times, but again, it's something where when you share a list and you're receiving content from someone that you've never signed up for their list, uh, it makes you kind of question and wonder why you are receiving that content. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to make people much more likely to mark your message as spam and all of that good stuff we talked about earlier. So a common way I see people doing this is if um, they are in some sort of industry and they have their email list and then they have a friend or partner or business, you know, person who is also in that industry, they might say, I will give you my email list or I will share my email list and you can email them and introduce yourself, whatever. Um, It doesn't work well, but one alternative is that you could have that person, whoever you're trying to, you're wanting to share a list with, just have them mention you in one of their emails. Maybe they can say like, here's someone I've been really inspired by lately, you know, explain why, and then say, here's a link to sign up for their emails. This is what they send emails about. And then if people go and sign up to your email list that way, that's awesome. So that was like a way to get yourself in front of their list without actually sending an email to their entire list where they're not going to recognize your sender name or your domain or anything like that. I've also seen people use like personal contacts and they they will reach out and say, hey, I have like you know, this list of people that I I know, but they're not really like friends or family. They're just like acquaintances and I want to use their their address. And I think this can kind of be like a sticky, you know, lot. like it's just like a weird situation. Um, I think that for personal like one-to-one emailing, you know, email whoever you want. But when you're sending right. more like promotional or like um, newsletter type emails, I think you should always get someone's permission, even if you are like an acquaintance of them. It's just a little bit more professional, in my opinion. And it just, it makes you look like a legitimate sender. Yeah, exactly. And just a note to also, you know, like I said, read up on the legislation before you send anyone an email, even if it's one-to-one. But at least in, you know, the US, you can send a cold one-to-one email to whoever you want. But in when it comes to email marketing and like promotional emails, you shouldn't import your personal contacts um, into your, you know, like ESP and send them right. promotional emails because they didn't sign up for that. Just because someone has emailed with you before and maybe your personal Gmail account doesn't mean they want to receive your marketing newsletter every month or whatever it may be. So it's always best to just, if you, you know, already have that connection with them, you can email them in your own personal Gmail and say, like, hey, I'm starting this new email list. Here's a link to sign up if you're interested. And then if they sign up, that's great. You can send them your marketing emails. Um, But it's best to keep those kind of lines separate. And that goes into LinkedIn contacts as well. Yeah, I see that a lot. Mm -hmm. People export their LinkedIn connections, put them into their ESP, and it's just not okay. Because just because someone connected with you on LinkedIn doesn't mean they want to receive your marketing emails. Well, and I mean, there's a way to invite people already in that space to join your email list. So it kind of just doesn't, it doesn't look very good when you like do it almost behind their back in a way, Um, Mm -hmm. because you have every option to be able to provide a sign up form link or post make a post that says hey I'm inviting everyone to sign up for this um, email list and you know if you didn't have the ability to do that 
it would make a little bit more sense to email them and ask them if they wanted to be on the list. But since you have like the option on LinkedIn to be able to post something and like invite people that way, it just doesn't look as good when you just, you know, upload all your contacts. Yeah, exactly. It just isn't going to feel good to your connections. They're going to think, how did they get my email? This is weird. I didn't sign up for this. So not a good idea. This is one I don't see in the creator space as much, but I have seen it a lot before and it's um, trade show list or anything like it. So essentially if you're part of an event and you have your own booth and that event says like, hey, we're going to give you the email address to every single person who attended the event. You shouldn't email that list. Um, You can email anyone who stopped by your booth and signed up for your email list. That's great. But there's a good chance a lot of people on that list will not know who you are and it's not going to go well for deliverability. The next one we've talked about a lot, so I won't cover too much, but (laughs) Wi-Fi signups and things like that. I know. It's just the most classic example of just like a sneaky way to get someone's email address. And I know, you know, the person is providing you Wi-Fi. That's awesome. But you are typically buying coffee or a muffin or whatever it may be. Um, so for it to be forced in order to access the Wi-Fi, you are going to get so many invalid <laughs> email addresses or typo addresses. It's just not going to go well for deliverability. So do not do that method. Uh, feel free to give people the option to give you their email address when they use your Wi-Fi, but it should not be forced. And the next one is actually my personal favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the next is uh, giveaways. And I I really, truly think that these are typically with good intentions also, but um, they just don't usually work out very well because people, you know, they want to win the giveaway and they want to get something out of it. And when they don't, um, they oftentimes will like unsubscribe or they will mark, uh, they'll start receiving more, you know, promotional or newsletter type emails that don't really apply to them anymore after the giveaway is already over and they'll complain or unsubscribe. So I just think that it's like not the most, you're just not getting quality subscribers. And it's not, again, it's not in like a malicious intent that you, you usually do a giveaway because you're excited about something and you want to see someone excited also. It just doesn't, it doesn't really work. And I've just, unfortunately, it I've seen it happen a lot and people will be like, I don't understand why my open rates aren't very good, you know, and they'll yeah. they'll come in with like a pretty generic deliverability question. And then after some research, I'll realize like, oh, they're they've been doing a lot of giveaways and it just kind of hurt their deliverability. Yeah, exactly. It's like just kind of an easy way out um, or like a quick uh, like get subscribers quick method. And those just don't work. Unfortunately, you have to do things the hard and slow way of just like creating awesome content. But um, I definitely agree. I think we get a lot of what I call direct complaints about people who send giveaway emails. So we'll have people reach out to us and say, I received this email and I never signed up for this. I don't know who this is. And I look and, you know, the person was added with a tag like giveaway. (laughs) And so I can tell, you know, that person signed up for some form somewhere on the internet to receive whatever, a vacation, a gift card, whatever it may be. And they didn't even know who was running the giveaway, who was part of the giveaway. And they didn't win probably. (laughs) And then now they're getting all these marketing emails that they didn't want. So yeah, giveaways typically just aren't good, especially if there's multiple kind of brands or people involved and that email list ends up getting shared at the end with everyone definitely a no-no. So I would stay away from those. So to kind of sum up, you know, when you shouldn't, the things you shouldn't do to grow your list, 
Anything where the subscriber didn't consent to receive your emails directly and if they were forced to provide the email as well, that's not going to work. So yeah, just be sure that people know who you are. They were excited to sign up for your list. They consented to receive your emails and there's nothing sort of like tricky or foggy about it. I feel like I say it a lot because I just feel like a broken record sometimes. But if I've learned anything that seems really important about email marketing, um, it's not the size of your list. It's the quality. And this is like a really hard thing for me sometimes to talk with customers about because it we really do put a value on our numbers, whether it's money, whether it's subscribers. There's so many things that we put value in numbers and ultimately I have seen it time and time again. When you have a list that's not healthy, you miss out on so many sales, so many opportunities to connect with subscribers. And you're ultimately like doing yourself a disservice by trying to just focus on the numbers instead of focusing on the quality. Yep, 100%. So I'm definitely no expert here. And I just saw someone uh, write about this online recently, and I thought it was interesting. So I will throw it out as kind of like, um, sorry, my share is real squeaky, but I will kind of throw this out as a nice in-between method. Um, So I've never run an ad, but apparently you can import lists into like Facebook ads and, you know, have them show and add to those those email addresses, or I think like people like them. Um, so maybe if you do somehow have a list that falls under our no category and it's going to hurt your deliverability, you can use it in the ad space instead and serve those people an ad that explains, you know, what you're offering, who you are, what you do, and has a call to action to sign up to your email list. So then if that person sees your ad while they're scrolling Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is, and you do resonate with them and they are excited about what you're offering, or maybe you solve some problem they're having, all they have to do is sign up for your email list. They might do that. That's awesome. And then they're on your list. And all of the people who didn't take that step to sign up to your list, never receive an email from you and don't hurt your deliverability. So it's a great idea. Thanks. I read it. I'm pretty sure I read it on Reddit. Um, oh, nice. There's an email marketing subreddit. And it's interesting. Uh, again, I, I've never run an ad. I haven't had a reason to. So I don't know exactly that much about this method, but it does seem like it could be a nice in-between if somehow you have some sort of like shared list or a list that wouldn't perform well if you emailed it. Um, you can still see who on that list might be your ideal subscriber. All right. Cool. I think that's about it. Uh, if you have any questions about some ways you can or maybe some ways you shouldn't collect email addresses, you can always reach out to us at convertkit.com slash deliverability. And we hope you all have a great day. Yeah, thanks for bearing with me. It's been a miracle that we could get through this whole episode with a new puppy. We got to work on some training. <laughs> He's so cute. Stay tuned for next week. All right, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And if you have time, please leave us a review. You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com slash deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. If you have a question or topic you want us to cover, let us know within the ConvertKit community or at convertkit.com slash deliverability. We'll see you next week.